Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. This is the second part of the Nat Turner. And again, I've made a choice to have 15-minute episodes, but uh, sometimes guests, oh, many times guests are interesting enough that uh, they carry over and uh, I don't want to lose that good content. So hey, here's the rest of the dueling questions with uh, Nat Turner. I hope you enjoy. Thanks, sponsors. Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Heritage Auctions, and Ops Panini and Upper Deck. So here it is. Hope you enjoy. I enjoyed it. What can the grading companies do better and what should we all be doing, not just PSA and Beckett, what should we be doing differently over the next few years to improve the hobby? There's a book called Coopetition. It's the combination of cooperation and, and, and competition that entities in a space subject to antitrust and all that stuff would help to clean up the industry. That's in everybody's best interest. I think Jeremy is talking to Steve, the, the presidents of at least BGS and, and PSA informally, but it's just good business that we help clean up the industry. I don't want to see PSA stub their toe or anybody else. I want to see the bad guys get caught. That's the main thing. You can't coordinate pricing you know, or, mm-hmm. or uh, schedules, but uh, policing the industry and like you said, helping to educate the public and training good graders to be able to give good uh, turnaround, good service. Grading is a very important part of the industry. Okay, there's a Judeo-Christian concept that applies to marriage and partnerships, and it's called equal yoking, and it goes back to oxen, okay? So if you have a wife, and not that she's an ox or anything, but two oxen are yoked, and they need to be going in the same direction and at the same speed. Otherwise, there's some serious chafing, okay, Mm -hmm. And, and stress and strife in a marriage or in a business partnership. So my question to you is not about marriage, but you have some significant partners, significant investors in your thing. I've heard your story about being opportunistic and loving what you're doing. The hobby takes great solace in knowing that you're even now CEO and seemingly the managing partner. But to what extent are these other pretty big hitter partners, are you equally yoked with them? Are they trusting you or are they deep down kindred spirits? in going at the same pace in the same direction so there won't be this chafing of uh, of partners. At first, I was worried my wife like planted a question with you. I don't know how she did it. It's a really great setup. Honestly, I'm very lucky to have the investors we have. They're not private equity. They're not buyout firms. They're very long-term oriented, largely family office type capital that Frankly, if it takes us 10 years to provide liquidity to their investment, that's fine. It's a really long-term oriented group of people. I'd be lying if I said they were card fanatics, by and large. I think they're big sports fans, Steve Cohen in particular, who who bought the Mets, as you probably know. Dan Sunheim, who runs D1, is a huge supporter of collectibles. He's a large art collector, which is well-known. He does have some cards that I've guided him on purchasing to get him into it. My plan is to do the same with Steve. <laughs> but the investor base is largely concentrated in in yeah. those two individuals. We have a number of smaller investors uh, that are collectors, folks like Ken Kendrick, a um, number of athletes who are collectors themselves. But the point is, it's a very trusting setup where I'm certainly in the operational hot seat to make sure things happen. I report to the board is comprised of those two gentlemen I've referenced, and it's a great partnership so far. Okay. You mentioned a couple things that I would say 
make you nervous about the next few years earlier. I'm curious, provides you, I would say, hope or optimism or as this industry doubles, hopefully, as we discuss, what are the things that get you really excited that you're seeing that you think could really bring this hobby forward? What's happened since COVID is that people are very afraid, but they're apparently their passion for sports cards exceeds their fear of COVID, <laughs> even in Chicago, Illinois, which is different than Texas. So what we've seen in this year and a half is that even in the absence of sports, collecting is fun, exciting, and profitable. You've got also a situation where people have realized that even if you don't get together in person, you can still have a virtual show. It's still the Wild West. Everybody does what they want to do. There's an awful lot of content being produced. Not all of it's five-star, but it's a lot out there. Some of it's churning, but some, some of it's sticking. There's some people mm -hmm. with huge followings that are doing exciting things. It's like the, the funnel has been very widened at the top mm -hmm. uh, to draw people into the industry, and we've got to help them not. And what it's caused are the, all these bottlenecks. Com C has a huge bottleneck in their shipping. PSA, yep. BGS has a huge bottleneck. That's frustrating, but it's the better problem to have. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if a year from now, we're still talking about that, that's why you took bold action to try to, to fix that problem. Again, the better problem to have. So at the National in Atlantic City next summer, if another half of the people coming there are new to the National, like they were in Chicago this year, that would be fabulous. The National has been underrepresented on the East Coast for almost forever. And so I'm, I'm really excited about that. We're not at the point where the industry quite at the level to do national advertising, I don't think. And yet the word of mouth that we're getting is priceless and the media attention, which is generally very positive. And so I don't want cards on every street corner. They're omnipresent. They become commoditized, which happened when you were in the 80s, yeah. Boy, that was not good. It's still tough to find them. You've got a really good chance of getting something exciting and dynamic out of the pack and a lot of bragging rights for social media, <laughs> flexing. A lot of that's positive. I don't see that stopping. I've also quoted if card prices doubled overnight, half the people would be happy and half the people would be sad. Yeah. Prices dropped in half overnight, a different half of the people would be happy. That's right. And a different right. FB said. So I think cards and memorabilia always were kind of inflation proof, recession proof, economy proof. And what we've endured over the last two years has been counter instinctive, but I think bodes well for the future. Okay. I've done, and not picking on you because you seem to be in really good health, but I've done a bunch of mortality episodes and generally they're with older guys of what is the preparation? Did, did they have any plan in place? As I've seen some of my contemporaries, new people younger than me pass away, even a guy that was a national that I saw there. And said, Nobody lives forever. But my question to you about that is that I don't think you're going to die in the many decades. But if you did, you'd have big shoes to fill. People would be eager to take on your collection, but I don't know if there's a plan there. And you're not just an owner of, of PSA and Collectors Universe. You're a driving force there. What fills the void? What happens to your collection and what happens to your business interests if something happened to you? Again, not to speak to well. Collector's Universe, people were so excited that you were your other esteemed partners and investors. They were great. 
but you were the key guy. And there's no amount of key man insurance, I don't think, that covers that. Do you have a succession plan? Well, I would say Collectors Universe will be just fine. We are recruiting a number of great people in. It's That's probably more than half my day is just interviewing and networking and getting to know people that could add value to the company and, and the industry. We've made a lot of big hires uh, in the last few weeks. We had two really big ones this week that we'll announce soon. Um, I've only been in the seat for four weeks. So so a succession plan hasn't been on the list, but I think we'd be just fine. As far as the collection, I would say any organization, to be honest, at a certain size can survive any one person leaving. I don't care if it's the CEO or anybody. Um, no no one is indispensable. They're, that's right. can be yeah. highly valuable, but if you're indispensable, you're either a one-man shop or... Yeah. So, but... Um, Collecting wise, I'm doing everything I can to get my two children excited about cards. They're five and three. And my goal is to have them carry it on. We'll see where that goes. I know a lot of friends who are collectors who whose kids have no interest and it, you can't tell your kids what to like. And I've learned that. My son's really into 82 Donruss. And it's funny, it's not because of the cards, but it's because of the puzzle pieces in the, uh. in the packs. I got work to do. The last question for you is card companies went exclusive with the leagues years ago, 2012, actually, at basketball. In my opinion, as a collector, a lot of things changed from the 90s, again, where I'm very biased. How has that affected the card collecting community? And where do you see that going over the next few years from the manufacturer's perspective? I used to have a lot of contact with the licensing entities and the teams, the leagues have a completely different perspective than the players associations in terms of their horizon and the, the, the way they look at things. But they may reevaluate maybe it's in their interest mm-hmm. to open it up a little bit mm-hmm. uh, having people that are responsible for growing the category i'm an american capitalist i, I think mm-hmm. that competition is good it brings out the best in people mm-hmm. you know i don't want i never wanted to be the only game in town mm-hmm. i just wanted to be the best and i figured mm-hmm. if i do uh, the best mm-hmm. job I can do, uh, let the chips fall where they may. I'm going to, I'm going to do so this restricting competition. I won't say it's un-American, but I don't like it. So I don't know what I can do. What you may find is that the NFT world and some mm-hmm. of these other disruptive elements, cryptocurrency and the, the globalization of things is that not everybody plays by American rules. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. could see some, not anarchy, but like I say, there's, nations out there and parts of the world that don't play by the same rules. So mm-hmm. had, that'd be interesting. You can't cease and desist in certain countries. Yeah. Now about Afghanistan, it's all bets are off. So with digital products and, and it, it can be chaotic. I don't like chaos, but if it's a physical product, I like your situation of being with PSA because I think it's a physical product. There's a real strong desire to get third-party authentication and and grading and evaluation. And BGS will get a big share of that as well. So I'd love to see it open back up now. Me too. I don't even think they want to debate on it, which I I think part of American cancel culture is I don't want to hear from the naysayers when in reality, in high school debate, you really wanted to have an even stronger understanding of your opponent's position than how you originally leaned. So that you would understand why these decisions are made. If they were to be open to it, just like the competition between PSA and BGS, I think if Panini and Tops and Upper Deck could cooperate a little bit, stay out of court, not help each other, but help build the categories. Mm-hmm.
Yeah. I'd personally love to see Topps Chrome rookie cards again in basketball. Cut them a deal. It just seems like that mm-hmm. there, there actually could be a fair amount of money involved. But I, I think too much of cancel culture is so worried about a slippery slope when, like you're saying, you don't have a goal. Do the next right thing. The right thing might really get the hobby energized. I, I'm totally with you on that. We're on the same. Yeah. yeah. But we don't get a vote. That's <laughs> you right. Get a vote, you actually do get a vote for your entities. And I, I have some influence with my former company, but not probably as much as I think. <laughs> 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 the man in 